If everybody would be a leader, that oh, would no. not. Oh, no. Please. <laughs> You've had a hard time because you suffered a massive flood from Hurricane Ida. Terrifying. We just found out recently that we are expecting our second child. Oh, so, hey, um, great. Um, greatest Thanksgiving news I've heard so far. It's important to just be a good person, to go to work every day, and to just be the best version of yourself when you're there. You see then the satisfaction of customers, and we try to do the best for them. And that's a moment where I'm very proud about our teams. There is a lot going on in the world. The energy crisis resulting in high inflation, climate change and the war in Europe. While we're still feeling the effects of the COVID pandemic worldwide every day. Also at food retailer Owl Deleuze, crisis situations like this call for leadership. What qualities do you need and how do you prepare for situations that you can't always control and how to master all these challenges at once? This is Refreshing Retail, a podcast series by Ahul Delez. Behind all the local brands worldwide, there are so many beautiful people working who all have inspiring stories to tell. We're proud to bring those stories onto you because Ahul Delez is at the heart of our society and therefore finds it important to be a reflection of that society. My name is Emily Zipson and my co-host is Franz Müller. Welcome, Franz. Hi, Emily. Hello. Good to see you. Good to see you. Now, you've been CEO of Owl Delaire's for almost five years now, and you've probably also faced numerous challenges. Now, I'm curious, what is the most recent situation that is extremely challenging? Yeah, I think the most recent situation, and you might be able to imagine that um, after two years of COVID, we got another year of crisis with a triple inflation crisis in Europe and also very difficult situations at the same time in the US for cost of living and these kind of things. And it put a lot of pressure, not only on uh, on people, customers and communities, but also on our own people and our teams uh, were already exhausted uh, after having done a tremendous job uh, over COVID and now another tough year. So that is a concern and that is a um, thing we have to manage as uh, leaders of the company. And where do you start then? You start by um, taking more time for people, listening to people. How can we support? How can we help? What is really important to them? And um, everybody has a very business or work situation, but also a personal and family situation. And to understand both is, uh, I think, uh, very important to to imagine uh, how a solution could look like and what support the company or leaders in the company can give or teams can give each other. And it starts with the people. And um, I think that uh, that listening mode is very important in these kind of situations. Thank you. For this episode, we invited Jessica Fisher, store manager of the giant company's Riverwalk store in Philadelphia. And she's received two major awards for exceptional leadership. We warmly welcome her through Teams. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Emily. Hi, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How are you in Philly? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Philadelphia is good. Good to hear. Now, it's almost Thanksgiving um, in, in the States. You must be very busy, I can imagine. Yes, we are. Lots of frozen turkeys coming through the back door and then going out right through the front door to, um, you know, bring a family together to celebrate all the things that we're thankful for. Right, right. Now, you've been named Store Manager of the Year 2021, and this year the President's Award was added. Congratulations. Thank you very much. <laughs> As a part of this award, you got to visit an Al Delaire's brand of your choice, which brought you to Greece to Alpha Beta, a major local supermarket brand. And um, you just got back. What was your impression? Yes, uh, it was beautiful. It reminded me of Center City, Philadelphia when I was in Athens. Just very friendly, 
Very pleasant. Truly welcomed. We did have the opportunity to visit one of the Alpha Beta stores and it was really cool because to get to see it from another perspective and how their teams work and the products and variety that they carry for their customers. And it was a little bit overwhelming. Um, so I definitely took a lot of pictures and was able to come home and reflect and just really learn um, how similar we are, but also how different we are. What was the most uh, impressive assortment you saw, Jessica, there in that store or the most impressive department? What was so different there? Um, I would have to say 100% the cheese category. When I walked through that cheese department to see how that is just like the focal of the store. And then I got to taste so many of the cheeses and the team members that worked behind the counter were just so engaging and were able to speak to the different varieties. And I could see the customer interaction and it just really felt like a wonderful experience for any customer coming up to the counter. And I was very much wowed by that. That sounds like an, uh, an amazing experience for you and your husband. Um, now, Jessica, only 25% of store managers are women. What do you think we can do to give more female talent a chance? Um, good question. I think you just need to keep your eyes open. I think we need to, and I think... Um, you know, we're doing a better job of that, but I think it starts really from, you know, my position as a store manager and recognizing talent day in and day out from my, you know, hourly team members and just recognizing, you know, their strengths and the hard work that they put in every single day. And then I think it's connecting with them and trying to find out, you know, what their future entails for them, what their plans are, if they're interested in going to school, if they're interested in an internship and kind of being that person to maybe help to guide them on their path and also sharing our story. I mean, I started when I was a, as a cashier when I was 17 and I made my way to where I am because of good people around me that invested time in me, saw that, you know, I was a hard worker and a good worker and I was interested in learning. And I think that we can all do that in whatever business we work in. It's just really taking time to learn your people, understand them and, you know, find out what their talents are and what their interests are. And if you can be that mentor for that person to help them get to that next step, you know, it just takes time. It takes care. Um, it takes investing in, you know, a good conversation with them. And then it takes, you know, follow up and making sure they get a good plan and hopefully help them to, you know, lead towards a good career path in this industry. Right, right. Thank you for sharing. Now, uh, France, you recently visited the Riverwalk store in Philadelphia together with Jessica. What did you notice about the store? Well, it's for us in our network and quite exceptional store. The stores are much bigger than our, for example, our Dutch or European stores are. But this store is um, it's not built uh, with a selling area on the ground floor. It's on the first floor. And that's also quite exceptional for us. So, on the ground floor, there is a coffee bar and there's a parking. And then you go with one stair, one level up to the to the store itself. And that is already unique for us. And the other unique of the store is, uniqueness of the store is it's very spacious, very light, a nice terrace for customers to have and chill out there uh, during shopping uh, in summer. So it's a beautiful store from routing here and the fresh departments are really very invite inviting. So... It's a unique story in our in our network of, of the giant company, too. Yeah, I hear. Uh, well, to put things in, in perspective for our listeners, an average Albert Heijn in the Netherlands has a retail space of 1,500 square meters and has 22,000 products in its range. And Jessica's Riverwalk store is four to 6,000 square meters and has 60,000 products in the range. 
Now, when you go to Jessica's store, are you still impressed by the size of it or are you used to it by now, Franz? No, I'm used to it because uh, most of our uh, US stores, we have more than 2,000 stores on the East Coast, are roughly this size. And I think also for Jessica, the, the space in itself is not a surprise or not new, but the way the store is fitted out, I think that's quite new for you as well, Jessica, right? Correct. Yes, it is. And what we find is that the typical pattern that a customer would shop in, you know, maybe a suburban store, it's a different footprint. So they go a different route almost each time they come in. So that's quite interesting. They can enter the store through an escalator and be greeted in the floral department, or they can come up an elevator and enter through the produce department. So then from there, it depends what journey they want to take through the store. So yes, it still changes from day to day. Now, Jessica, if you look at the store now, you wouldn't say that something terrible happened. But before we go back to that moment, let's first zoom in on your exceptional career. As you just said, you started as a cachet in 1999 and you immediately had the ambition to grow. And after a few years, you ran your first store as a manager. And in the next two years, you opened a new store every year. Where does your personal drive come from? Well, I would definitely say it comes from my family. I have a large family. I have very supportive parents, um, one of seven children. I have wonderful brother and sisters-in-law, and I am surrounded by beautiful nieces and nephews every day. Also, my husband and I have a beautiful 13-year-old daughter. And also, we just found out recently that we are expecting our second child. So, oh, hey, um, great. Congratulations. Yes. Super. Congratulations. Thank you. That sounds yes, like so. the greatest Thanksgiving news I've heard so far. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Super. Yes. Very happy for you. you. Very yes. happy for you. Thank you very much. Yes. So, so much of a surprise as we would have enjoyed our daughter to, you know, have a younger sibling when she was a little younger, but everything happens for a reason, you know, and I feel like the time that I spend in my stores, what I have tried to do because, you know, my daughter's name is Sadie and it's very important to be a good role model for her. And I made sure that, you know, the time I spent away from my home, I took her to every store that I worked in just for a visit, just to food shop, just to, you know, run an errand and drop something off. But I introduced her to the people that I worked with every day so that when I came home, she could connect where her mom was. Right. And she knew that there was a reason that I left the house that was, you know, also important. And she understood when I had to stay late. And I've done that um, my whole career. She's been to Riverwalk probably four or five times and loves the macaroons, her favorite. <laughs> so she always asks for them. But I think it's really important to connect that for her. So she already knows how much I love her and how important she, you know, she is to me and my husband. But for me to continue to grow, I need her to still be able to connect that, to see why mommy goes to work every day right? and why I invest the time that I do. And sometimes when I'm at home, I have things that I need to do for work at home. And because she has that connection and she sees me connect with my team in the store, she has a better understanding of why it's so important to me. It sounds really familiar um, being a, a single mom and also working quite often to literally show, show your daughter where you are and what you're doing. Did your parents also have that role? My mother got to stay home um, until my youngest sister went to work. So I would say that my parents, the work that they did, yes, it absolutely showed and taught me how hard work pays off and why it's important to just be a good person, to go to work every day and to just be the best version of yourself when you're there. Right. Great. Did, did you have a role model, Franz? Yeah, I was very fortunate. I think I was, in hindsight, very fortunate. Both my parents, parents worked. 
So from a young kid, we dealt with this. So first of all, we had all a task in the household because of that uh, as kids, which is pretty healthy. But also my mom working, my father working, uh, I think was a good good sign of, of a more uh, yeah, equality type of situation in our house. It was not a very traditional father is working, a mom is uh, working at home. It was uh, it was a much better mix. And I think that's also a value we took, uh, took away ourselves. Right. Now, Jessica, the last store you opened was the Riverwalk store the flagship store of the giant company, which is, of course, part of Al Deleuze. And you received a lot of media attention. I read that you made sure that you personally got to know everyone who lives in the neighborhood with whom you do business. Why do you think that was important? Well, they're my people that I see every day. You know, we're located right in the heart of the city and not many people drive. So they're on foot, which means they are not buying full shopping carts. They're leaving with a bag or two for their dinner and their lunch for the next day. So I knew it was important and it was going to be a different kind of relationship with my customer than I was used to. But also, you know, to to see what kind of variety and items they were looking for every day. There's a little bit of an, a different expectation to what they needed. Um, things needed to be a little bit more convenient for them. As you know, the city is very fast paced but also a little bit more single serve. They're not buying a lot of bulk items for their families because there's a lot of single men and women living right around the store or above the store because there are tenants that live above the store. So I think it's just important to just be able to understand what you need to have to offer to your new customer. And really kind of what we've learned since we've opened is, you know, what's nice about our format and about our variety that we offer is that you know, the customers are pretty vocal about what they're looking for and we're the store that they want to come to. So if they're not seeing something that we carry, they ask for it because they want to come to our location because it's so unique. And we've been able to, you know, on several occasions, either expand our ethnic section, whether it be like the Spanish variety or the Indian variety, if they're looking for plant-based, we have the largest plant-based variety in the company. So if they're looking for more meatless products, or a certain product they can purchase elsewhere that will prevent them from going somewhere else, then we do whatever we can right, to right. get that item in for the customer. Now, at Albert Heijn, is it similar, Frans? It's similar. Uh, we have a total network, 7,500 stores, and all the stores service a specific neighborhood that counts for the Dutch market, Belgian market, Romanian market, or the, the northeast of the U.S., And we have to be very focused on uh, on our customers. That's why our store managers have a very special job to play to make sure that they have a good connection between the store staff and the people from the neighborhood, the customers, to make that blend well so that customers feel at ease. Yep, it's the same for, for the Dutch market. And listening to Jessica's personal approach, I mean, it really stands out. She knows everyone, including regular customers, suppliers. Now, I know you also enjoy being in close contact with your store associates especially when a new store opens. How do you act when you visit a store? I mean, can you address a special moment during such visits? It's always for a store staff team and a very special moment to open a store, for example, because they worked very hard on it and make sure that the store looks great for the first day of opening so people are tired and exhausted and proud at the same time. So it's a great moment to congratulate them for the for the big achievement, opening a store on time. And it's also very special because we hire a lot of new people when we open new stores. So people have been trained most of the time by other stores and stores 
adopting a new store. And that is a, is a great moment of teamwork and of pride and of helping each other. And, and then you would like to see the reaction of the customers. Hey, how are they doing? Do they like the assortment? Does a, uh, a Muslim customer uh, recognize the halal assortment? Or exactly. does the Jewish customer say, hey, well, my kosher is properly treated here in this store. And this is with respect for my community. So... These kind of things are very interesting, sometimes complex, but you see then the, the satisfaction of customers and then you know, hey, I have understood the customer base, the neighborhood, and we try to do the best for them. And that's a moment where I'm very proud about our teams. Yeah, I understand. Now, Jessica, you've had a hard time because you suffered a massive flood from Hurricane Ida. I read that the water came five feet high on the first floor. Terrifying. But you acted extremely quickly and you saved lives with your acts. Would you like to take us back to that conscious moment? Sure. Well, I would say that we anticipated a lot of rain, but not necessarily a flood. So this was a hundred year flood and okay. it happened very quickly. As I said, um, I sent my team home. I did have my night crew lead with me and there were three team members who came in to, for their shift overnight because like I said, it was just like a regular rain. And then when I, I decided I was going to leave and it was about quarter to 12 at night, midnight, and I went to the parking garage and there was water coming through the parking garage. And I looked at my, I got in my car and I looked at my night crew lead and I said, I, I just don't feel like if I leave and I was going to go to a hotel. And I said, well, this doesn't make sense, Jessica, because if you go to the hotel, how are you going to get back here if the store floods? So I pulled my car to higher ground and went in the store and, you know, just kind of proceeded to realize there's nothing I can do now. Here comes, you know, mother nature. And, 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 um, and sorry to interrupt you, but how did you feel in that situation? Um, well, I mean, I felt calm. I knew that there was nothing else I can do. It felt like, oh, there's probably going to be a little bit of a mess to clean up in the morning, but it didn't feel overwhelming. I think you are too humble here, Jessica, because it was a little bit more scary, right? You sound really cool and, and calm as if it was, you know, a normal situation. But France, how was the situation? Yeah, it was quite amazing, uh, Emily. And um, uh, this Riverwalk store in the center of Philadelphia was a brand new store close to a river. And if you would have seen the river, if you would see the river now, the river is 20 feet deeper, six meters deeper than the street level is. So it came up all the street, plus an almost two meters, almost six feet in her store. Incredible. So it's amazing what how much water can come uh, up so high in such a short notice. And that is what we maybe cannot imagine. It was really an, uh, a very exceptional situation, even for a country uh, more used to hurricanes and floods and, and big rains. And Jessica kept calm. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. But, you know, you have huge hurricanes. You're more used to that than we are. Yes. But still. Well, and also as the, as the night continued, the water continued to come in. So that's where, I mean, once again, there wasn't anything that we could do. No. But continue to work and just monitor and keep in contact with other people. You know, I knew my team was safe, like I said. Right. So, yes, by 5.30 in the morning... You know, we couldn't get downstairs and my, we couldn't leave the building. So then it became like, okay, so what's the plan going to be? Which is when we started communicating with, you know, continued to communicate, I, I guess. But I think the most important thing with the team that was inside was just letting them know that, hey, listen, you know, clearly I can't let you leave. I don't know how you would get out of here safely. You know, the fire stairwells are all full of water also. And, you know, like you're safe here. We're together. We have food and water. So let's just stay here until like we come up with a different game plan. So really, that was the most important thing that they understood. They could see that they couldn't leave and then just coming up a plan with a plan to get them out of there safely. And afterwards, you ensured that all employees could temporarily work in other stores. Uh, you visited them all. 
I mean, that's a huge dedication to your team. Why do you think that is a quality that other leaders can learn from? Well, I mean, the people are the heart of what we do every day. You know, I couldn't run that Riverwalk store the way that it runs without my team members. So, you know, their livelihood is just as important to me as mine is. So knowing that they have families to support, you know, I hear the struggles that they have every day, maybe different than mine, but there's still struggles. Um, so knowing that they still have bills to pay and there's still going to be a food that needs to be eaten by their family. Yeah, it was important to make sure that they could continue to work. So we offered them to work at any of the other stores in our region. And some people chose not to because they could walk to our store. Um, so they just did not work. There was a few of them, but most of them decided to be dispersed throughout the region. And yes, myself and my team, you know, went around to visit them. How were they doing? Was everything going okay? We made sure, you know, that they were being paid properly, that their time cards were right. Was there anything we could do for them? We did have one team member who was impacted by the flood. So we were able to utilize the take care fund and get her some gift cards for some, you know, she could get food immediately and get some clothing. Mm. Um, and I made sure to stay in contact with her every day. But it's just really important because guess what? I needed those people to come back. Right. Well, I hear Franz also often say it's it's in the end, it's about people. Uh, I think I think what, what plays out here is, uh, of course, experience as a store manager. You know what to do, you know, the procedures. So um, Jessica knew exactly what to do. There, we have emergency procedures for these kind of things. But the most important thing is to take care of the people first. And knowing your people very well, then you can you can also assess what is the best to, to, to manage a team also in a crisis situation. And, and also as, um, as a leader, stay calm, uh, in control, based on experience, based on intuition, and based on uh, also trusting your Or your own team, because of course, also Jessica has also a number of very experienced department managers in her team who also can help out and do the right thing. And but still, you're a human, and sometimes you know you panic. I would say I would guess that then the adrenaline uh, is also helping uh, Jessica, and by the situation being and responsible for such a task, then you keep focused, and most likely you get more exhausted after the task. But during the task, you're focused, you're concentrated, and you you can bring the energy. I would say. Yeah, you just keep going. You keep going until you get a break, and you know everyone's okay. And exactly, you know, there's a plan in place to okay, how do we move forward? And yep. Then you have time to relax, have a cup of coffee, reflect on what's happened and move forward. Yeah. Now, at the beginning of our conversation, I already mentioned several things that are going on in the world right now. And inflation is also enormous in the United States. We're all feeling the effects of climate change and we all have to deal with COVID and the war in Europe. Many people depend on food banks. Now, Jessica, what else is coming your way in your store? What's new? Uh, well, in our store, we have a donation partner who picks up our day-old product every day of the week, seven days of the week. Um, so instead of that product being wasted, it goes to the local food bank, which is wonderful. But also we participate in a program called Flash Food. It's an app on your phone. A customer can check any store, any retail store that has this flash food offering. And basically it's the same item, the same idea, excuse me, as a markdown upstairs in our building. It's just located downstairs. They can purchase a protein. You know, it's really whatever we have that day. Same thing. We make produce boxes, produce bags. We have bakery items. We make sure that we have proteins in there because the price of ground beef and chicken is very expensive, but also families need to eat. So, you know, if we can divert that product from being sent to the landfill and we can either donate it or we can still make some money off of it, then that's what we do. It's it's there to help that customer to continue to support their family. 
It's a shared initiative in our group eh, because food is made to be consumed. So, and we have also sometimes unsold food. So then we, we talk about food banks or we mark it down so that customers have easier access to uh, price down food. And she talks about flesh food, Jessica. And yeah. we have here Too Good To Go. Too Good To Go. That was too Good To Go. That's an initiative, for example, in the Dutch market and in all the markets mm-hmm. where we have connectivity to food banks, to good-to-go, flash food type of initiatives to make sure that as much as food possible, which is not sold at our store, at least reaches people for consumption. That's uh, high on our list. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, it's time for our statements. Each episode, we'd like to share a few statements to you to deepen our discussion. So, Jessica and Franz, I'd like to start off with uh, the first statement and uh, afterwards you can Share with our listeners how far you agree or disagree. To start with the first one, a good leader must be experienced in all positions within the company. Let's start with France. Um, a single answer, no. How about you, Jessica? I would say the same. Good leaders can be very good leaders also in specific expert areas as well. And can have a sensational leader in accounting or somewhere super in HR or someone in things like uh, health and sustainability, not necessarily knowing all the positions in the whole company. So I think there are more ways to roam here. Right. Anything you'd like to add on to that, Jessica? Uh, yeah, I would agree. And I think that that's what, you know, our, our team is for also is that we learn from them. So we don't need to be an expert in every area just to be a good leader. Thank you. Time for the second statement. A good leader never hesitates in crisis situations. Jessica, do you agree or disagree? Um, I would disagree. I would agree to give the little bit uh, black yeah. and white type. Otherwise, it's a little bit boring. Exactly. I, would, I, I would agree. But why don't you disagree, uh, Jessica? Because I think sometimes when we react, if someone just reacts without, and I would, I would say maybe if I use a different word other than hesitate, maybe paused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's... Just to kind of collect yourself, I would say that pause, yeah. right? So we don't go to that, you know, chaotic way of thinking, and maybe we're thinking erratically. If we take time and just pause, then we might have to mentally prepare ourselves to take into perspective what's happening, and then be able to move forward from there, as opposed to just thinking you know, quickly and then maybe having to um, like troubleshoot from there. To that addition, I would agree to pause and to ask and to check in with your team and to have a little bit more time for thinking before you take a decision. And do you have that time? Not always, but exactly. sometimes you have a little bit more time to check in with team members or with colleagues in the team of, hey, what is not the right decision here? But in the end, the leader is responsible. So uh, there comes a moment that you have to decide and then it's up to the leader to do so. And then you shouldn't hesitate. No, exactly. Okay, the last statement. Anyone can grow into a leader. I would say uh, that would not be necessarily the case. Jessica? Yeah, I think it depends on the individual. Okay. It depends on their drive. So we talked about personal drive. It depends exactly. on what drives them. It depends on, you know, who has mentored them. And I think it depends on their support because a lot of what we do, if they don't have that drive themselves and they don't have anyone to support them, they could be a good leader. But if, if they don't see a path or have anyone to take an interest in them and invest in their future, then they might unfortunately not get there. However, right. if they have that personal drive alone... Yes, they can. And also, you know, couple that with a mentor to help Mm. them, then absolutely. 
And we also have uh, great experts in our company who are super strong professionals, individuals who just want to support and like that support role and don't want to be in charge of a team or be the leader necessarily. And, and that's also as valuable. That's very valuable. If everybody would be a leader, then oh, we'd no. No. please. <laughs> we also would be in trouble <laughs> in a way. So I think the yes. mix and the complementarity, like Jessica also explained, is uh, very important here. So far, the statements. So um, we're almost at the end of our podcast. Let's move on to the future. What happens the day you wake up and you think, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do something completely different. What would that be? I think I would do something completely out of retail, outside of retail, based on curiosity. What can you add more? What can you contribute somewhere else uh, outside retail? And Which sector? Um, I would be pretty excited about uh, make this world more durable. Mm. One thing I could also understand that uh, what can you do to avoid that people feel left behind in society that you there are many areas unfortunately too many areas where that's the case right what do you actually like about being a leader i think it's great to take responsibility and also bring people together and find that complementarity that diverse teams are stronger than non-diverse teams and to to prove that that this is indeed true and for you jessica I enjoy building a team and then watching that team work together and grow together and do great things. I think that's a strong answer also, Jessica. I want to see people grow in their roles. That not that one of the nicest things we can, uh, we can see and be proud of, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Now, another small look at the present and the future. I understand that Al Delez has the wish to make the logistics and transport of all brands worldwide significantly more sustainable this year. And I know that many major steps have already been taken in the Netherlands. Uh, France, what about the plans for the rest of the world? Yeah, we have group targets when we talk about make it more sustainable or reduce CO2 emissions. And we have plans for what is in our own control. That's our own stores, our own production, our own uh, transportation, energy consumption or refrigerants in our stores. So we have strong targets to reduce them by 50% in 2030 and to be uh, fully net zero by 2040 in our own operations. And that is for the US and for our European Indonesian business, uh, exactly the same target. Fantastic. And uh, Jessica, would you like to share uh, any other future dreams? My personal dream is, you know, I'm now that my husband and I are bringing another child into this world, really to just do what we can to continue to make, you know, the world more sustainable, to continue to make it a better place for our children to grow up and to instill kindness and love into our children and be able to spread that to the world because the world needs more of that. And, you know, it starts with our our kids and, and it starts with, you know, our team members extending that to them. You know, we don't know what kind of love and care they have at home. And, you know, when we can do for someone, you know, the goal is to get someone to do that for someone else. And I think that is something that, you know, my husband and I wish for our children. Thank you. And I, I absolutely can relate to that. And I believe many listeners can relate to that um, dream too. Well, it's not a dream. It's a mission. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your inspiring story. Jessica Fisher, store manager of the giant company's Riverwalk store in Philadelphia. And also a big thank you to my co-host, Franz Müller, CEO of Al Delez. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Want to hear more inspiring retail stories and stay informed of the latest trends in food and retail? Then listen to the other episodes of Refreshing Retail, a podcast series by Ahul Delez. In the next episode, we'll update you on female leadership, 
Listening and subscribing is free via your favorite podcast app.